Right. So welcome everybody back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series uh, where we're talking about our big, hairy, audacious failures in business and everything we've learned from them. Uh, but with us uh, on the line is the uh, founder and chief strategy officer at an incredible influencer at marketing company called Creator IQ. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Excited to be here. No, it's all good, man. Uh, so why don't you kick us off, uh, Connor? Um, you've been giving me the front row seat to what you guys are up to, but uh, what's your elevator pitch for our audience around the world today? So we are an influencer marketing platform that works with some of the largest brands in the world. So like Disney, Red Bull, Google, Amazon, LVMH, Xbox, et cetera. Um, and you can think of it like a CRM system for keeping track of all the influencers that are talking about you, sending payments, billing, briefing, competitive benchmarking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, close to a thousand clients, a little over 300 employees, raised about $100 million in financing, and we're the fastest and biggest player in the space. Awesome. So what, uh, what would you say is the problem that you guys are solving for, for brands? What are they trying to do? Um, generally they're trying to invest in and scale the way that they work with influencers. So if you're to look at a brand, like say an Amazon, you know, Amazon will have close to a hundred thousand influencers that talk about them each year. And they'll create close to 300,000 pieces of content about them, uh, during that time. So you're dealing with a thousand pieces of content a day, you know, and tens of thousands of relationships. It's just incredibly difficult to keep track of all that and to manage it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's fundamentally the kind of high level problem that we're solving um, is brands that are investing this in a meaningful way and need to scale it, track it, measure it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Why don't you give your punt, your podcast a punt as well? <laughs> we also have a podcast it's called earned E A R N E D by creator IQ. I host it. It's in the top two and a half percent of all podcasts globally, growing close to 100% year over year. We just had the president of Mr. Beast on, the CEO of Forever 21, CMO at Gucci, um, as well as a bunch of others. So you should check it out. Cool. Thank you. So what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today, Connor? Yeah, so my story of fail was going from a company that was doubling year over year for three or four years in a row. Um, to one that had flat growth over two years, right? Had to, um, so we had to cut out almost 50% of our revenue um, in 2018. So um, to add some context there, when we first started the company, we weren't very good at raising money. So we um, really had to focus on like building and selling software, right? Versus raising capital. And so that made us very capital efficient, which was great. And we grew very quickly. So we doubled every year for three or four years in a row. And then what happened was um, Instagram and Facebook got involved in the Cambridge Analytica scandal that made them reevaluate the way that they offered their API um, to serve up data to be more privacy centric. Um, and they shut down their API in that during that time. Now, the problem is that almost all of our customers were on month to month contracts. And so... What happened was, um, you know, we lost access to Instagram data, um, which was probably half the data we had in the platform. And, you know, we saw a lot of churn, so a lot of customers leave. Um, and so we went from a company that was growing uh, very, very quickly to one that was churning a lot of customers. 
And we had, on top of that, we had, we were about 50 employees at the time. We had another eight to 10 grads that we had spent a lot of time recruiting coming out of Harvard, Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, et cetera, that were supposed to start in about three or four months as they came out of summer, had to rescind all their offers, um, had to do a small round of layoffs. And I think just from a pure kind of psyche perspective, you go from a company that feels like it's on fire to a company that is literally on fire. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> And so that was a really, really tough time. I remember sitting there in a meeting after we had thought we had really gotten through the tough stuff. And I got, I was in the middle meeting. Of course, I opened an email like I shouldn't in a meeting with a direct report. And it was uh, one of our largest customers. There was about a million dollar a year customer um, that emailed us unexpectedly. It was like, need to cancel my contract immediately. And it was like, I went outside, called my wife and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to make it through it, right? And on top of that, we've been right in the middle of fundraising. We're about to raise a very large round and um, had to shut all that down because of it. And we're really tight on cash. So it was uh, it was a little bananas. So that was my our big fail. So Connor, what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, so there's a few things. I think there's what we learned and then there's kind of how we made it out, right? Like how did we survive, right? So from a survival perspective, we were really bad at like collecting accounts receivable, right? So we like went out and collected every dollar we could get. We moved to annual contracts with payment in advance so we could get cash flow coming into the business to help actually like fund payroll. We got really tight on expenses, right? So everything we spent, we were like really, really kind of uh, smart and efficient about it. Um, and made some really big pivots in the way we actually built our software. So went to something that was higher gross margin and more self-service versus we had some like services tied to it, right? To again, kind of cut down on costs. But I think the biggest thing that we learned coming out of it, and it was actually in some ways a blessing in disguise, is when we had that very negative event, um, we had a lot of churn. Well, the nice part about having a lot of churn at one time is you see patterns. So you look at the data, you go, hmm, a lot of these look the same. And what we figured out was that essentially, um, if you got three tweets a week, you don't really need influencer marketing software. You just don't need it, right? And so the way to kind of do that mathematically is if they had less than 50,000 followers on Instagram, we had a 90% chance of churning them as a client within two years. And so it's like, hmm, if I have a, basically a guaranteed chance of this customer failing, like why would I even sign them up in the first place? And so we um, put that in as a threshold. The problem was that was a little bit over 40% of our revenue kind of fit that criteria, right? And so we had to cut out that 40% of our revenue and really zoned in on purely brands that fit that criteria. Um, and what it did was it totally changed the way that we built our software, right? Because we're really focused because the problems of Nike are very different than the problems of a startup company, um, number one. Number two, so it focused our product roadmap. So we built things much more quickly. Um, second, um, you can be much more targeted and efficient in your marketing and sales because you know exactly who you're kind of going after, right? Um, and so what it ended up resulting in was the business about, it took about two years to process that. Um, but coming out of it, um, you know, we were growing close to 60 to 70% year over year, insanely efficient. We didn't raise any money doing that during that period. Um, so just insanely efficient growth. Um, our gross margins went from 66% up to 81%. 
Our retention rates went from low 90s to 116%, which is really good for that kind of business. And um, yeah, and then we ended up getting, we actually got acquired. Some of the co-founder of a company called Tribe Dynamics got acquired by Creator IQ um, for $70 million in stock and cash on $4 million raised. So it's interesting, right? I mean, it's so fascinating. It's come up on the show a few times that your breakdowns are always your breakthroughs. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You, if you just decide to hang in there, like I just, I mean, that phone call to your wife, I mean, even today I was chatting to Alan, who he's, he's also, you know, out of Hawaii, but, uh, you know, long story short, I was saying, cause he's, he has this idea of like, why not me, you know, and, and, you know, cause he had this thing around imposter syndrome. Um, and we all have this kind of stock market graph journey, don't we? It's kind of like, and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's entrepreneurship. It's a hockey graph. It's like, no motherfucker, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shitty fucking stock market graph. And when it's down, it's fucking down. All right. Um, and so when you're down, like you, you it's a real, sh- it's like the, the emotions are so heavy, dude. Like, and I can imagine that, that phone call to your wife. And like, I mean, I mean the harder phone calls, honestly, were to the kids that were graduating. Right. And they thought they had a job and we're calling them two or three months before they have a job saying, sorry, you don't have a job. Right. Mm-hmm. And these were like high achievers, like really smart folks. And like, that was tough. That was super tough. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it is a, it is an up and down sport. And I think that, um, so another anecdote, so we used to, uh, so when we first started the company, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. When we first started the company, the thing that we used to always tell ourselves is like, just don't die. So as a business, most outcomes are binary, right? You either die or you survive and you more than likely get bought for a lot of money, right? As a business, it's generally how it works. So as long as you don't die, you're very likely to do well, right? And so we used to just think about that all the time. Just how do we prevent ourselves from death? And that's that's kind of the most important part. But mm. I don't know. well, I've been there as well, man. Like my previous company um, didn't have your kind of scale, but I mean, we were 55 people in Africa, and that, that's a big thing, you know. To yeah, have any, totally. I mean, we've got such amazing systemic issues that would make you know ivory towers developed markets cringe when they went to bed at night <laughs> you know what i mean like the shit we have to deal with in africa is heavy um yeah, but, totally. uh, you know but like i've had i've my previous company had to go through two layoffs and you know when it's if i think and i had the choice i remember like my my group md was like i'll i'll tell them i'm like no 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 <laughs> that's yeah. on me you know and it yeah. is on you you have to you have to do the hard things yourself Totally. Yeah, it's super tough. I mean, there's nothing uh, nothing good about layoffs. No, it sucks. So let's go back to the future. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what's the question? What's the plan? Yeah, what would you do differently? Like if you could go back? Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on some of the things, but I mean, is there a, a thing that really jumps head and shoulders above all others? Yeah. I mean, I think if I were to give advice, right. Cause again, I, you know, I never would have really understood the power of that unless I had gone through it in some ways. Right. And so if I were to have given advice to myself back then or to somebody else, it's like, you really need to zone in on who is your ideal customer, right? Who's the customer that you really want to be targeting and zone in and be uncompromising in your focus on that. Right. I think it's very easy, particularly as an entrepreneur 
to get enamored with the shiny object or the new thing or the new customer or the new kind of thing, you know, product you want to sell. Um, when the reality is there's, you know, a very specific set of customers that are very good fit for what you do. And you should really focus on those people um, because the secondary effect that happens, and we had started to see this at the time was, you know, so 40% of our revenue was toxic, right? We should have never signed these customers in the first place. It turns out the problem is every single one of those people is going to leave that experience and say like, yeah, I tried out Creator IQ and it didn't really work very well for me, right? And they take that with them and they remember that and they bring that into any future conversation. So if they're at a new company, they go, oh, wow, yeah, you know, I signed up for Creator IQ and it wasn't great. Like we didn't get the best out of it, right? When the reality is we never should have signed them up in the first place. And so limiting the number of negative experiences that people have with your product or your company, I think is is really important. So. Yeah. So I want to double click on that. How do you figure out who your customer actually is? Because like, you know, t- tell us, <laughs> because if you're in the trough of disillusionment, like you get those early wins, like you think you're like, oh yeah, I'm there. And then you suddenly it plateaus and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I've actually got to figure out like who my freaking customer is. So what have you learned about that? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think I'm trying to think of a good way to distill it. Um, So I think, hmm, well, I'll give you another example versus like a, you know, a, um, a method, right? So as an example, so we get acquired by Creator IQ and we're looking at Creator IQ's customers and we're trying to figure out who their ideal customer is because they've got a similar problem, right? They don't know exactly what it is. And so, you know, it turns out the same basic principles held true in terms of brands, right? So brands, you got to have a good social audience. Otherwise, we should never sign you, right? Um, the second thing, though, was like, okay, what about agencies, right? So we have agencies as customers, too, but agencies don't really have an Instagram following, right? There isn't really one that exists. And so how do I know that influencers or social media is important to this agency? Like, how can I figure that out? And I was like, well, I feel like if it's important to them, like it should be on their website, right? Like they should have that somewhere on their website. And so I just went through, went through every single agency and searched for their name and influencer, right? Or creator or whatever, to see whether or not that word showed up somewhere on their website. Turns out it was incredibly predictive of, you know, who was going to be a successful customer and who wasn't, right? Based on kind of retention rates um, to the point that it was like our retention rates, if you had it on your website, were like 110%, meaning those customers will spend 10% more this year than last year versus if it wasn't our retention rates were like 30%, right? Which would be like, you know, basically you churn 90% of your customers within two years. And so again, that was like the second way that we did it. it was like, okay, you know, it was a kind of a non-traditional way to do it. But the core truth was like, how do I know that this is business critical to this person or this company? I think in software, you tend to look for either daily usage or retention rates and then map it back. Say so like, okay, how do I split this out um, and understand which ones are very likely to stick with me and which ones are not. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that helps. That's a, that's how we did it though. Yeah. There's no one size fits all approach, right? You just got to yeah. keep experimenting until you find something that works. I do feel like the, the idea of niche p- picking a niche is important. You know, like I think the only times anything's ever scaled from my side is, is when, you know, like the previous company we were doing like lead gen for tech brands, yeah. Whereas we were doing content for anyone and we were just 
that flat thing. And then the moment we were like, cool, let's build our business around this one problem for this one customer, um, everything kind of took off. However, having said that, to your point around those uh, influencers, well, those people with those, you know, less than 50,000 followers on Instagram, whatever, like the 40%, to your point, like reputationally, if you do niche, you have to make sure that you are able to consistently provide a service that delivers yep. consistently or you run the risk that one word of mouth in that niche will, you know, start to negatively impact your business, which is what happened with us because we were doing, we would hand over, like we had this inbound acquisition and then an outbound vetting team. And what they would do is they would basically filter the pipeline according to our clients' requirements. And then if like certain 10 sales qualified leads were generated, that would be the end of the campaign and we would get paid whatever we got paid. So this is what happened. So never start a fucking lead gen business because the clients will always blame you if they don't close. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, no, dude, we're here to give you the opportunity to close. Not, we're not here to sell for you. That's not how this works. That's not why you pay us money. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, you do that for, for five years. Word of mouth. Yeah, it's tough, right? You run out of you run out of real estate eventually. Um, in terms of people that will work with you, the one thing I'd say is if I were to you know do a failure um, assessment on that business, right? I think the question would be how do you optimize around leads that close, right? So instead of giving pure number of leads, how do you as a business optimize around like leads that close for those businesses? And then because that's ultimately what their real goal is, right? Like. Mm-hmm. It's not just leads, it's leads that turn to business. So yeah. again, I don't know how you solve that, but. Neither do I. I don't have that. <laughs> <problem anymore. laughs> so Connor, do you uh, recommend any books or tools or resources uh, for um, entrepreneurs to use? Yeah, there's a ton. Um, i trying to think of all the books that I would recommend. I've got a list on my LinkedIn. If you're ever curious, it just says reading, recommended reading. Um I think, you know, hard thing about hard things, creativity, Inc. Um, all of the, uh, God, why can't I think of his name? Um, there's a bunch of business literature out there. Go to my LinkedIn, Connor Begley, creator IQ. You'll see a list there. There's a ton of them. Check them out. Beautiful. Connor, thanks for being on the hot seat, bud. You did great. I can see why your podcast is popular. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. I try. Uh, I know. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Take it easy. Bye.